Hello, dear reader. This is the writer, Jeff Richardson. Uh, just wanted to say up top here, um, a couple things. We had a bit of a weird hum on the line, so I've uh, to get that out, I had to kind of mess with the sound a little bit. So uh, I sound great, of course, but uh, the team sounds a little uh, squished. Um, hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, also you can find our website warforthetower.com and you can throw us an email. I don't know, just chuck it, you know, wherever you are, you can throw emails. Uh, anyway, warforthetower at gmail.com. Oh, Christmas is coming up. And so I just wanted to say Merry Christmas, happy holidays, uh, whatever you got going whether you're like some folks with a great family and, and friends and all that, or me, lots of great friends, but not so many in in real life. <laughs> what do you call it? In the local area. And my family kind of, <sighs> I don't talk to them. So, um, so it's, it's a little tough these, these times of year, but knowing that there's people out there that love what we're doing, uh, makes me feel good. So anyway, uh, happy holidays to you and I hope you love this show. Bye. The apartment of Mrs. Keneally is bedlam. There's a middle-aged woman in a Harvard sweatshirt screaming bloody murder. Mrs. Keneally is standing there with a teacup smiling and, uh, looking towards a glowing portal in which uh, two of her new friends just went through. Down the hallway, Shanna and Alexa Payne are doing battle with some local mobsters, and Hezekiah Staunton is going into the portal. How's Hezekiah feeling in this moment? Very confused. It should be pointed out, again, I'm pretty sure I pointed this out last time as well, but this has all been the same Goram day. (laughs) This has been a very long day for Hezekiah. He died, and that was before lunch. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if dying and waking up in a uh, garbage truck, I wonder if that counts as, like, a long rest (laughs) in D&D. We're going to go allow it. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Probably. So, uh, so you're not as tired as you might have been if you had uh, taken on an entire uh, NORAD base by basically yourself. Exactly. Things could be and have been worse within the last 12 hours. (laughs) Uh, So um, do you think Hezekiah is the type to, like, share his story with people? To a degree. Maybe not quite. You know, not off the cuff. He is a mm-hmm. gunslinger. He has been taught a certain level of stoicness mm-hmm. uh, being proper. Uh, so he probably hasn't revealed his uh, his life story to anybody yet. There is a strong storytelling culture in Midworld, so... True enough. We might have that moment. That, that'll come along sooner or later, certainly. But for right now, um, things have been high octane for the last like, hour, hour and a half, and he's known these people all of three. So, probably not quite yet. Okay, Hezekiah, you are backing into the portal, and uh, you've been through a portal before, right? (laughs) Not knowingly. (laughs) Oh, that's right, you had to die. Yeah, I was kind of dead at the time. Okay, so you feel a weird kind of crackling around your body, there's um, all your hairs are standing on end. You feel your throat kind of seize up and you see visions. When did Hezekiah know he was going to be a gunslinger? Hezekiah's born pretty much knowing that he was going to be a gunslinger. Uh, the knighthood is a right, uh, not by not initially by merit, but by inheritance. Pa was a gunslinger, and uh, I followed in his footsteps, just like all the other boys right right around my age and uh, that I knew. 
Okay, so uh, there was this moment that you're remembering, and it's your father and most of his men rolling into the castle courtyard, and Mm -hmm. he looks terrified. You've never seen him look so scared. And uh, he runs straight to your mother and hugs her and whispers something to her. Mm -hmm. And then he leaned down in front of you, more kind of intimate and close than he'd ever been. Mm -hmm. And he looked down in your eyes and he says, it has never been more important that you complete your training. No matter what happens to us, you must stay alive. You must serve the beam. All right, Paul. I'll do it. And in the next few days, he and most of his men were dead from a mysterious illness. Hmm. All right, you come out and you are... Your your guns pointed back the other direction and you hear total bedlam. It is a... Uh, cacophony of what sounds like thunder, uh, maybe bombs. Um, the ground is shaking a little bit as if mm-hmm. you're, as if you're standing on a, I don't know, a train track as a train rumbles towards it. Sure. Um, you can see like pebbles kind of filtering into your vision. You're sort of in a narrow kind of, uh, it's like canyon walls, but it's only maybe 10 feet tall. And, okay. And it's like hacked to bit stone as if it was carved recently. Mm-hmm. No adornment, no wooden pillars, just like they just dug it out with a ox or something. And mm-hmm. as you, uh, I assume you're going to turn around? Uh, yes. As you turn around, you see purple skies, uh, stars very barely visible, and flares have lit up the night sky. All right. Louis, Magnus. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Louis, Louis, you have uh, lifted Magnus, who thankfully is not protesting much. And you have <laughs> stumbled, gasping into some kind of trench. Uh, it's cold. The sky is purplish uh, there must be a haze because you can barely see the stars and flares are going off Ooh. high up in the sky off off to your left maybe and um, you see up ahead of you this little mini canyon opens up and there are tons of people with uniforms various pieces of armor they look like they're in the middle of a war and even worse, it's trench warfare. Are they staring at us? <laughs> yes. I hold my hands out and go, uh, what? <laughs> Do you stop running or go out into the the common area? Uh, if there's, like, guns and shit going off, I'm going to keep running. But, like, if it's just a bunch of dudes in a field going, what the fuck is that? I'm going to do the same thing. What the fuck is that? There is like a few what sound like explosions off in the distance, but well off, and you hear maybe a little bit of small arms fire, but it's just a few reports uh, off in the distance to your left where the flares are. Um, But yeah, everyone looks at you, and you realize all these people are hard as fuck. Clearly, they've been in the shit for a while, and... uh, you see a couple tattoos on faces here or there. Something about the way the clothes are cut. Everything looks a little homemade and shitty. You think you might be back in Midworld. Do I have any food on me? I, would you? I mean, did you stop at the, the newsstand? Uh, probably not. I would have just like tried to use it as a distraction, but that wouldn't work out too well then. Did you eat at the restaurant across the street? No. Okay. Yeah, you're probably starving. Yeah, I'm starting to feel hungry. Okay. Uh, Magnus, you're being carried um, sort of backwards, and you come through the portal, and that was a weird feeling. It was like your your skin was tingling and rumbling, and uh, and your eyes were twitching, and you had a weird vision. Uh, when did you first learn that you were going to be a magician? Um, he was, let's see, I was about eight, ten years old. That's when, um, yeah, that's when Magnus's magic started 
started to uh, to appear. Was he alone or with people? He was with his mother. So his mother um, found out that his father was actually a demon, and the the shock of that and the um, just the shame from her, she actually killed herself. And Magnus walked in on that, and then Magnus at, at about eight years old. And then Magnus's stepfather came in and blamed Magnus for it, and his magic just exploded, and he basically immolated his stepfather in front of him, just set it like he burned from the inside out. And um, it was pretty traumatic. Was that an accident? Yes. Yeah, he lost control of his power. And did stepfather deserve it? the best guy but i don't think he deserves to be burned to death okay so it's magnus isn't uh, magnus isn't like a dark person that solves his problems with murder no completely not okay cool he uses lightness to solve to solve his murder problems i mean he, he definitely he'll you know he'll sell his, his he, magic he uses to lightness to solve to solve his murder he, problems he does try to be you know he's i'd say Neutral good at the worst. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah, you start to look around and you see you're in some kind of rocky, muddy trench. You hear the same stuff the others have heard. Um, but in this area you're coming out into, there is a crackle. There's a, a kind of goldenish energy that makes you think there might be some good magic here. Hmm. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing this portal, it feels different than, like, the portals Magnus would normally use it's, from his own magic. It's very organized. It looks just the same shape as a door. It's a little bit greenish-blue. You can't okay. see through it, really, um, except for just hints. And it sparks and crackles like, uh, like some kind of ozone machine or something. Got it. And uh, it gave you this weird vision. And uh, how does he feel emotionally about stuff like this? Would he, would he cry? Like, how did he react as a boy? Oh, let's see. How would he be? like? I mean, I think I think now he'd just kind of be he'd be in shock, like really shaken, because it's definitely not something he's thought about for at least a couple hundred years. Okay, so nice. So I'd say, like, in shock, just kind of standing there, like, you know, looking down at his hands, just trying to figure out what's going on. So you feel your magic a little uh, a little stifled or whatever as you have this kind of emotional reaction. Yeah. Um, y'all, y'all turn and look, and you realize that Louis is running you into the middle of some sort of active war situation. It looks almost like right. pictures, uh, movies you've seen of World War One, with these ten foot high walls, um, a few open areas. This one is maybe forty feet circle, and there's boxes and tents and and like just little things to keep the rain off of stuff. And there's probably fifteen people here. Some of them are running down a tent trench to the left, some to the right, and there's five people kind of hunkered around some gear in the center. Uh, a few of them are smoking cigarettes and the tallest one turns and uh, you, you flinch a little bit because she is holding a big, long golden rifle spattered with mud, just kind of down at the ground. And she's shouting and she, her eyes go wide at the face of y'all and she screams, Who the hell are you? Where did you come from? Who's your commanding officer? And she's like looking at everyone. Everyone is, immediately looks where she looks. You realize that she must be the head of this military unit because everybody's uh, like ready to kill on her behalf. You see a guy with his weapon half put together and he just whips out a giant dagger. Uh, am I there with them? You're just right behind him, okay. so they'll get the first uh, mm -hmm. the first act. I nudge Magnus and ask them to put their hands up, and uh, I'll put <laughs> my hands up him? as well. 
not like letting go. It's, it's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing I that would Magnus kind of take Magnus out of his shock. And okay. uh, you know, I'll put my hands up as well. Deal with his, uh, I'll like letting go trauma if, if later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Magnus kind of turns to them. Yeah. You know, kind of the cautious hands up. But at the same time, he's sort of preparing to um, shield the three of them with his magic if if it looks like they're about to get, actually get shot at. Sweet. Are we in Midworld? Is that where this is? Is that what's going on? Okay, this woman, uh, she's got this giant mane of, of red hair. There's spats of spatters of dirt are, all over her. Are we her in Midworld? Is that where this is? Uh, just is that like what's in going a World on? War One movie. And uh, she looks hard as fuck. Uh, you see somebody next to her is holding uh, a bow that's kind of filigreed with gold, similar to the rifle. She's got a big uh, sort of curvy blade stuck in her belt and some sort of strap around her uh, going the other way with uh, what looks like a sword hilt. Uh, and uh, And there's a big sort of a uh, glassy-eyed looking giant off to the right. They uh giant like a big dude. Mm-hmm. And she just goes quiet and the whole place goes quiet so you j- can just hear those bombs and stuff off in the distance. And uh she says name rank at serial number. Oh boy. Uh I can't Can you tell me if we're in Midworld or not? She looks at her friends like like or her subjects, whatever, and uh, and she says, "Oh boy, who uh, sent you to me?" By the way, she has a Scottish accent. Yeah. Can you tell me if we're in Midworld or not? Uh, and she goes, "Orpa, take these men to the tent." Uh, I think John F. Kennedy sent us, or Arthur Eld. I can't <laughs> tell which one. Are we in Midworld? Yeah. She looks around like, oh, crap, more of these people. And she just points to the trench uh, off to your John left. I think John F. Kennedy sent us or Arthur L. I can't you. tell and she says, which one. Are we in Midworld? I'll meet him there in a second. Is it okay if I put my hands down now? I'm uh, getting kind of tired. Okay, the big giant-looking dude just gets behind you and starts pushing you in that direction. Okay, the pushing I'm following. I'm going to just put my hands down and hope that's okay. Yeah, is it okay if I put my hands down now? I'm uh, getting kind of tired. Okay, they take you down this trench, and down one side passage, you see it goes, uh, it slopes downward into the earth. Okay, the pushing I'm following. I'm going to just put my hands down and hope that's okay. And there's some kind of shield around it that Orpa taps some buttons and uh, you see up ahead the like a metal door open up and light shines out and some sort of orangey yellow crackle around the opening uh, goes away and then as you guys go through it it comes back on hmm. and down here you don't see any of the sound of war or don't hear any of the sounds of war out there it's perfectly calm and silent except for a little like tinkly music hmm. at, a, at a low level and you come down into this room, and there's it looks similar with like bags and boxes and a big war table with maps. You see this skinny, balding mm. fellow with glasses typing on an old timey computer, and there's all sorts of piled papers on the desk around him. There's a coffee cup, and uh, Louis, you see a coffee machine all the way across this long room like a machine. Yeah, like a coffee machine, and oh, it's okay. uh, it looks like a '70s Mister Coffee, but it's it's half full all of this, coffee. Uh, and you're all just this like, crazy oh, air. I wonder war. if they have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look where there's coffee, there must be pizza. Okay, so Orpa uh, orders the three men that were were guiding you back out, and uh, he points to some folding chairs up like against the wall and kind of. Gives you the impression that you're supposed to oh, well. get him and sit down. All right. Um, the dude comes up out of the chair and he says, Orpa, <laughs> what's going on? Who are these people? And he goes, uh, I don't know. Get the guest book. We'll, uh, coffee. we'll write down whatever bullshit they tell us. And he opens a desk drawer and pulls out a big notebook and a pen. Oh, by the way, uh, 
Louie, if this is yeah. mer- Midworld, you're shocked to see all this paper, clean okay. white paper. Hezekiah, you bust in out of the, the, the portal into this trench, mm-hmm. and up ahead you see a bunch of soldiers, same deal. You see that tall woman with the big frilly red hair. Mm-hmm. And you don't recognize her, but you recognize some of the symbols uh, on boxes and things. This is definitely Midworld, mm-hmm. and, uh, and this is Midworld in the midst of a war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somebody else makes a noise, okay. and, and she spins around and looks at you, and Tsunami. she goes, How many of you are there? Well, there's only one of me, ma'am. <laughs> okay, she just stares at you like, what the hell? Long days and pleasant nights to you all. My name is Hezekiah Staunton. She looks to the others, and uh, re- clearly recognizing the phrasing, mm-hmm. and she says, uh, well, it can't be helped. Send him off to the war tent as well. And she just stares at you the whole time mm-hmm. as they lead you off. Going down this trench, you hear these these booms off in the distance. You see more flares going off. And uh, this big, glassy-eyed, beefy dude comes out. He's straining his uniform. And he just stares at you like, what? <laughs> you know, he's shocked that there's another one, too. And he says, name, rank, and serial number. Hezekiah Staunton, gunslinger. I don't know. I don't reckon I have a serial number, but, uh. Okay, he looks at everybody, and he's, like, scanning back and forth. He doesn't know what to think. He looks down at your belt, looking for the uh, traditional guns Mm -hmm. of a gunslinger. Do you have said weapons? I have written on my character sheet a, a pair of cherry wood grip revolvers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you've been I don't think you've recovered those, have you? No, I don't think so. I think I've got I've got some some kind of crappy guns at this point. Okay. I can't remember what you did with them. Would you have uh traded them to Bao Lin? I wouldn't have given them up willingly. I think I got uh I think when I was pulled into Earth from Midworld, I think I lost like all of my gear. Okay, I'm just wondering why you didn't use them in the battle, but I think you just ran out of bullets. Mm. That Red Ranger battle. Oh yeah, that first one. Yeah, no, I shot everything to hell and ran out of bullets and was like trapped okay. in a hallway way longer than I should have been dead. Nice. Okay, so you have a. Uh, we'll say you have like a satchel with with a lot of the gear in because uh, somebody told you that it wasn't cool to wear gun belts out in the middle mm-hmm. of yeah. New York City. Tacky. <laughs> yeah, it's gauche. So one of the guys grabs your satchel. Mm-hmm. So apparently they they aren't convinced you're a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give it up? Um, I reach into the satchel. I will pull out the revolvers. And okay, uh, flip for initiative. Okay. That uh, let me pull up the Space King sheet. Let's take a look here. Initiative is six two. Okay, your initiative is presence plus agility. You got six, so that's six flips. I don't think you're injured, are you? No, I'm not, so a seventh okay. flip. So it'll be seven. It's going to be two successes. Nice. Okay, you are doing that. I'm going to flip for them. Okay, uh, you start tussling with one of them, and then the third yanks it away from you, and the zipper kind of flies tacky. open, and stuff starts tumbling out, you know, your handkerchief, a few other things. And as it hits the ground, a barrel just kind of dumps out and uh, sticks in the mud. And you're like, ah, shit, I'm going to have to clean that. Yep. And and everybody stumbles backwards. Orpa just goes wide-eyed. And then he drops to his knee and puts his fist to his, his forehead and you can't see them, but you think the three guys are probably doing the same. You hear their n- uh, knees hit the mud. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> uh, what is traditionally said when somebody greets a gunslinger? Ah, fuck it. It's been too long since I have read book three. Um... <laughs> That's a really long greeting. <laughs> <laughs> Very obscure arcane text. Yep. Uh, they said, uh, 
They just are quiet as if they're waiting for you to speak. Arise, soldiers. Um, and they they hop to their feet. You see Orpa has a bit of a, a, a crick in his left hip. And he says, uh, your honor, sir? Uh, what, what do they call you guys? Sai? He says, uh, Sai, what is, what is your need at this moment? My companions came through here not too long ago. Take me to them. Uh, yes, Sai, of course. Gentlemen! And he points behind him a few feet, and they go to the left through a little alcove. An orange shield goes away. Mm-hmm. A big metal door slides up, and you go down into it. You see the ground isn't, uh, isn't dirt anymore. It's this kind of brushed chrome. Mm-hmm. And as you come in, you see linoleum, and, and I don't know, it looks more like a, a earth room than a mid-world one. Mm-hmm. Curious. Kind of reminds you of Hab's kitchen. Sure. So, and you see your friends in there, and you see, uh, well, friends, you just met Louis. Right. And you see uh, Orpa came in with you, and the the computer guy, mm-hmm. nobody knows his name yet, he, he just pulled out a notebook, and he's uh, setting it on the table, and... Um, uh, did everybody else think of Girl from Impanina when he started saying that there was like some tangy me- like tween yeah. music playing in the background? Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, good. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. <laughs> but like maybe maybe on a music box when I think when I hear tinkly, I think music oh, box. Oh sure, yeah. So I was hearing like yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Okay, you guys notice a plate of what looks like maybe hand pies. They look pretty cold, but they're sitting there on the map table. Um, And there is coffee. Orpa kind of points in that direction if you want to get any. And... uh, and the computer guy says to you, uh, Hello, friends. Uh, my name is Plever McKee, and I will be writing down your answers to our questions. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go. Where the hell are we? Can I go second, but can I get some coffee while I wait? Uh, sure, sure. That'll yes! be fine. We also have some uh, meat pies here. Uh... Orpa, who is this gentleman? He looks a little familiar. And Orpa says, sir? Uh, or no, not sir. He says, uh, uh, McKee, this is Hezekiah Stun. He has, wait, did you tell him your name? I did. Okay, this is, this is Hezekiah Stun. He's a gunslinger. And McKee, like, grabs his glasses and kind of pulls them off a little bit and squints. And he says, uh, uh, from what I hear, Si, uh, you type are dead and gone. Well, clearly, you should be believing what you're seeing and not what you're hearing. Okay, well, I'm not of your people, so I won't do the the salute, but I know of it. Mm. And, uh, and he walks forward and holds out a hand. I extend and shake his. Okay, you shake hands. He says, uh, have a seat. He pulls out a chair for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once you guys have your, your food and your coffee or whatever you want, he starts running you through some questions, your names, uh, where you're from. And uh, then he starts asking you some really odd questions. It's almost like a personality test. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and once he starts getting into um, like your sexual history... You get kind How of long annoyed. do you have? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the door uh, shoots open, and I've always wanted to write my memoirs of my sexual escapades. One thing I was wondering, because um, I wanted, I was going to say that Magnus, I was going to have him kind of subtly, as if he's just stirring his coffee, kind of use his magic to turn it into better coffee. Um, <laughs> does his magic work the same way here? And did anyone notice that? Are you gonna sip it first? Uh, no. He's just gonna assume it's bad coffee. <laughs> okay. I mean, at the very least, it was made by a '70s Mr. Coffee. Yeah. So it's like as if he's just kind of, you know, stirring it with his finger. I guess he kind of 
you know, whammies it a little bit to turn it into a, a very lovely Italian espresso. Nice. So as you stir it, uh, like thin kind of Harry Potterish wisp of smoke comes up to your nose, and it's uh, it's an incredible aroma. Um, so you you kind of wait to add more oh, okay. juice to it, and you take a sip, and it's the perfect temperature. It's it's a bean you've never had before. Mm. It it it's it's like already gourmet. So anything you add to it would just be uh, taking a risk. Interesting. So you don't know where they're getting their coffee, but it's pretty damn good. Uh, Hezekiah, you haven't had uh, this kind of coffee for uh, at least three years. Mm-hmm. Hab used to get it, and uh, when he uh, when he died all those years ago, like 15 years ago or something, you got a new cook, and that guy had a lead on some coffee from from uh, way up to the north. And it was, like, among the best you'd ever had. And uh, when he died, what it, wherever he was getting it from uh, stopped coming. And this tastes almost exactly like that. <sighs> yeah, that's all right. Magnus kind of turns on the charm, you know. Oh, you must tell me where you got this coffee. Simply amazing, darling. <laughs> nice. Does anyone else want to do a charm flip? Nah, uh, I'm no, I'm <laughs> Yeah, okay. So It'd be I'm a actually, charm perform. I'm actually flipping for this one? Yeah. Okay. It's like your whole vibe, how you're answering the questions, all that. And add one for being healthy. Okay, um, I got three successes. Nice, okay, yeah, they are, they are uh, perfectly charmed. And, um even though they're all hardcore miller, military types, well, except for this uh, this little skinny guy, but most of the people you've met are are soldiers of some kind, and uh, I'm not sure how you feel about military folks, but uh, there's certainly enough pretty faces in this crowd if you felt like taking a moment. Always. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Orpa is definitely not one of them, but so he looks super bored by all these answers. Uh, except to occasionally look at you, like, kind of admiring your beauty. And yeah, let's assume that throughout all of these questions, Magnus is just shameless. <laughs> <laughs> Especially you said they were getting into, like, sexual history. Oh, yeah, he is a lot. He is a... I picture a quick montage <laughs> of, like, uh, Matthew McConaughey in that office and the and the people listening to you just kind of, like, getting bored, but... But it's like when you're so pretty that they they still listen. I'm picturing you know it like I mean? that bit from Brooklyn Nine Nine when um all the uh, I think they're like psych majors are talking to Gina, mm. <laughs> and she's like, all people are at least seventy five percent attracted to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's great. You know, Magnus is just like, oh, and Michelangelo, you absolutely must have met him. <laughs> Fantastic artist and just wonderful in bed. Okay, so the door flies open, and the the woman. Now that you get a a, a better lit look at her, you realize that she is like uh, she's got the kind of looks that suggest good breeding, but her whole vibe is of a queen, just like perfectly straight backed and and like strong as hell. She. Sets her rifle up on a, a like a rack, and then hands her bow to Orpa, and walks up to the edge of the desk and like pushes McKee out of the way, and she looks down at all of you and she says, "Who sent you?" Uh, the beam, Santos. The beam sent you to us. Is that right? Is that what you too uh, believe as well? I'd sip from my coffee and go. Uh- Oh, oh yeah, uh, we saw a picture of uh, someone important. Could be like Arthur two or three Eld. different people. Yeah, maybe we'll call him Arthur Eld for now. Um, saw him, and then we jumped into a door that was really, really bright, and now we are here. I don't think we're in mid-world, I say as I sip my coffee. I can only assume that the portal brought us here for a reason. McKee leans in and starts whispering to her and kind of pointing at things on, on his sheet. 
and uh, her eyes go wide, and then she kind of relaxes a little bit, and then finally she pushes him away again, and she says, you most definitely are in Midworld, and like me... I spit out my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And like myself, most of you aren't from here. And then she points at Lewis and says, take him away from her. Get rid of him. And Orpa uh, just goes over and starts to grab you. Hey, wait a minute. Why is this happening to me? Was it because (laughs) I spit out the coffee? Are you going to resist? Yeah, while asking questions about what's going on. Okay, uh, how are you going to resist? Uh, I'm just going to try to be, like, nimble. Duck, okay. dodge, <laughs> dive. Okay, so, uh, so that'll be an agility athletic. Touch that wrench. And I forget, we we barely know who he is at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, Louie? Y'all don't yeah. know me. Yeah. Okay, so homeboy's trying to grab you. So pretty, okay, so all I know is that you tackled me into a portal. And now they're trying to take you away. Got it. Yeah, I was, I was sleeping <laughs> behind you in a really scary house yelling about sex demons. And then the next thing you know, we're here. Okay. So let's see. Just checking to see if I was going to help you or not. Sounds two, like no. Two successes. <laughs> okay. Uh, you managed to, to stay out of his grasp, but you have to get out of your chair to do so. Yeah. Do you have any weapons on you? Do I have any weapons on me? I think I do. Let's look at my character sheet. Um, inventory items. Uh, I got the thing that I'm wearing on my head. Uh, I got a little book with me. I have a, I have a social security card. Um, I I have a gun. Yeah, uh, a handgun. <laughs> Not anything as cool as the gunslingers, but probably like a boring, I need to feel safe, I'm a white man in America kind of gun. (laughs) Okay, nice. You see the colonel is like, walk back like a half a step and she's watching Orpa. It's almost like she's testing him to see how good he still is. And he's just got his hands out and he's looking at you like he's trying to figure out your next move. He's kind of giving you the next step, like, uh, do you want to come quietly kind of thing. I ask, what is this all about? And uh, she slowly pulls out her big curved blade. uh, Looks like a a hand sickle for agriculture. And she starts to turn it away from the table like she might be starting to throw it. Yeah, okay, I get it. I didn't say no. I'm saying, what is this about? Did I, like, shit on something when I wasn't supposed to? She says, I know what you are. I can see through your magic. I put my hands on my face to make sure that everything is still in place. <laughs> okay, uh, Orpa tries to grab you again. Magnus is very interested in that. He kind of turns over to uh, Louis, kind of narrowed mm-hmm. eyes like, wait, what? <laughs> um, Louis, he comes at you again. Uh, I have a question for Magnus. How long do you stare at me for? Um, like a, a five to ten seconds. Jeff, I think that might warrant some sort of a, a an intelligence flip. To see if there's anything wrong with Magnus my face. Is, Magnus is really skilled in like um, glamour, and like he's he's glamouring himself right now. I think there's no way to uh, to not see through it for Magnus. Yeah. I mean, he's a magician. He's used to uh, misdirection. The thing on my face is not magical at all. It's it's mundane. Yeah. Oh, it's some sort of uh, Mission Impossible thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll let her have an intelligence investigation. Okay. And I'll give you an extra one. Oh, no. The secret's out. Um, well, I got one success and a joker. (laughs) 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 I got a wrinkly old face, let me tell you what. Uh, I'm not sure how you joker on this, but, uh, I think it just means that you kind of like his face. Hmm. And, uh, you're not sure what, what the colonel is, uh, thinks of him. There's, there's definitely a magic about me. Like, if, if you do the glamour thing, I don't have, like, any 
any physical glamoury kind of stuff going on, but uh, there is magic about me. Uh, right. Yeah, that... So That's a, a real human face. face. <laughs> see, I can see that maybe Magnus was looking for a magical disguise, so yeah. he didn't notice that it's a more mundane <laughs> yeah. disguise. Okay, so Magnus is a little confused. Uh, Orpa comes at you again, Louis. Do you want to try to dodge again? Yeah. I'm, okay. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I'm going to try to do that again, and this time I'll jump on top of the table. That'll be agility athletics. So, yeah, I'm going to try to jump on top of the table here, Jeff. <laughs> nice. Let's see here. One success. Okay, so Orpa grabs you as you're climbing up onto the, or jumping up onto the table, and he brings you down, so you, like, slam face down. He's totally got you. Ow, 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 And then ow. All, the, all the map shit is going everywhere, and then he starts to scrape you towards him. And your foot just kind of gets him between the chair a little bit. And you don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, he slips and falls and goes down so hard and so loud that everybody looks over. And uh, you're back on your feet, and he is out cold. Louis opens his mouth as wide as he possibly can, draws in a big old chunk of air, and just starts laughing like an asshole. <laughs> All things surf the beam. <laughs> I'm supposed to be okay. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what that means. Uh, Hezekiah, how are you going to handle this? Let's go. Uh, I, I want to see if I can read his mind, because this just got real weird. <laughs> um... Uh, telepathy presence or charm? Uh, it'll be telepathy presence. Okay, so that's going to be seven flips total for me. Hezekiah's about to find my my magic thing. (laughs) (laughs) Two successes. Okay, uh... Jeff, you you remember my, uh, my ultimate, right? Yeah, you start to scan and you just give up because there's nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's as if he's immune to your scrying. All right. I have, would like to use my ultimate bullshit detector. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> okay. Uh, you hear static when you try to read my mind. Mm-hmm. So this one, uh, you don't even have to flip to get, like, some basics, but if you want to flip, then you can pretty much learn everything. Okay, sure. Uh, is that uh, How many flips is that? Wasn't that investigation and... Wit sounds right. Uh, yep. And then add one because you're healthy. One, two, three, four successes. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, so you gonna learn today? Mm-hmm. So uh, Louis is probably not human. Mm-hmm. Just because he can't be scribed doesn't necessarily mean it, but you just get the feeling. Uh, Orpa is. Uh, he's probably the colonel's right-hand man, uh, but no, he seems more like an enlisted person than an officer. Sure. McKee is, is the colonel's aide. He's, uh, he's not even from Midworld. He, he seems like if he walked out that door, he'd just get killed immediately. It's just a total wimp. Obviously. Uh, the colonel is also not from here. Mm-hmm. And she... Must be a member of the Keepers of the Beam. Mm-hmm. But she is so... She has such high presence, like, you think she might be royalty. Gotcha. But you don't... You can't place her accent. And uh, you get the feeling if she told her soldiers to kill anyone in this room, she would, or they would. Sure. So if you want Louie to stay alive, you might have to... Yeah. <laughs> you might have to improvise. All right. Stand down, Lou. Uh, Stand down. I, <laughs> I I sit down and I keep chuckling. <laughs> that will work in a pinch. Okay, the colonel walks over and her boots banging against the linoleum. And she walks 
around the edge of the table where Louie and passed out Orpa are. And she stares at you, Louie, all the while she gets down to a squat and uh, studies Orpa. And she says, uh, McKee, come help me. I got to get him up on his feet. He'll be up and around soon. And McKee goes around that far side of the table and helps her get him up and onto a chair. And he is super groggy. He definitely has a concussion. Boo. Concussions suck. Does anyone want to say anything? <laughs> or do anything? I turn to Hezekiah and ask, <laughs> Hey, did you try to read my mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, while this I mean... is happening, Magnus heads over to, um, what's his name, who was knocked out, kind of mentioning to, uh, the commander. Let me take a look at him. I, I know a bit of, I know a bit about, uh, first aid. She says, before you do, who gave you your orders? Who sent you on this mission? You keep thinking we're, like, important and real people and have orders. Has it ever occurred to you that we're just a bunch of fuckasses who tried to, like, get out of the way of some gunfire and fell into a hole and now we're here? It's occurred to me that you're a tahine and a scoundrel. You better get out of my way or I'll use this weapon and any weapon I get my hands on until you're dead. I don't disagree with anything you are saying. I will move out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she looks back at you, Magnus, and uh, she softens a little bit, and she says, uh, do whatever you can do, but I'm watching. And she walks back to, to a few feet away, and she addresses Hezekiah. Mm. She says, you seem to be the most calm person here, so I'll tell you. He is. <laughs> I'll tell you, you've been sent to help us. Who sent you? We, well, Magnus and I here, uh, we got our orders uh, from, a, from a collective. Uh, a bunch of people who are kind of doing some plane hopping, I guess. I'll be very honest with you. Like, it's been a long-ass day, and I have barely eaten. I am shoving meat pies into my mouth at this <gasps> point, because this is the first food I have had in a rip. <gasps> She says, if you are a true gunslinger, you'll tell me what you, what you found. Did you find a piece of the beam? Everything was flowing in this general direction, and we, uh, we were in another world, another part of the tower. And uh, a door opened up where we were, and we took that opportunity to take it, and it led me home. At least that's why I went through. I can't say why, you know, I don't know why Louis here tackled Magnus through. Oh, uh, there was, uh, gunfire, and, yes. uh, the, uh, the man in black was there, so I wanted to fucking leave, and, uh, <laughs> here we are. Wait, the yeah, colonel looks around he confused, and she says, what sort of man in black? The man in black. The man in black. Do you speak a Martin? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Usually I found when you say his name a bunch, he shows up. Good luck. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, Orpa starts to come around and he gets uh, he gets a little hostility going again. And uh, Plover's not really holding him, so he might come out of that chair again. I offer him a, a meat pie that I have halfway eaten through. Magnus is definitely going to keep try to keep him from moving. He's doing, you know, the, like, snapping in front of his eyes, checking for a concussion, um, you know, like, checking your pupil size, you know, all the, all the usual concuss concussion stuff. Uh -huh. And he kind of mentions, like, don't move yet. You're, I, I need to make sure you're going to be all right. Do you have any sort of medical magic? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So, so yeah, he, uh, Magnus is going to kind of try to... He hit his head. Did he hit it hard enough that it's bleeding? Uh, no, this guy's skin is, like, a foot thick. Okay. Not really. I'm gonna say, that's some, that's some thick-ass skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he kind of, yeah, he kind of, like, runs his hand along over, like, where he hit his head to sort of kind of heal it, reduce the swelling, that sort of thing. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was a nasty bar, or <laughs> a nasty wound. There was a big bruise, and it was starting to swell up. 
Yeah, so just like a slight a slight glow kind of comes from his hand, you know, as he's kind of running it over the wound. He's trying to be really subtle about it because he doesn't know if there's magic in this world. Cool. <laughs> so he's trying to make it look like he's just kind of checking, but he is actually using his magic. You are pretty convinced there's magic. You felt like a magic presence yeah. in that trench, and then you feel it on the colonel herself. Yeah. But since he hasn't seen anything yet, he wants to try and keep a low profile. So you notice as you're looking at this guy's eyes, they start to like zap back and forth. And he looks he looks like somebody who's paranoid, hmm. like he's afraid he's going to die or something. Shit. <laughs> yeah, Magnus just kind of tries to talk to him calmingly, you know, like, my name is Magnus Bane. Don't worry. I've treated plenty of head wounds. You're going to be just fine. Okay, and that paranoid look all of a sudden like just goes away, and he is back to being his same old gruff self, but he doesn't try to get up because he, he knows he'll be woozy. Yeah. Uh, the colonel says, uh, so Hezekiah, you were saying? We, uh, we had some folks uh, from another world send us a uh, uh, young lady... Um, Named Moana. Okay, she she dips her head, and uh, it's almost like you can. She's uh, doing a silent prayer, <laughs> and then she comes up to you and she puts her hand out to shake yours. Mm-hmm. And she looks you dead in the eye, and she shakes your hand, and she says, "Then have you a piece of the beam?" A piece of the beam. That's what you're doing. That's your whole job. We're trying to rebuild it and save the tower. All right. Well, no, we don't have it. How would we? <laughs> oh, that's right. You weren't on that. Uh, you weren't in that, that meeting. No. <laughs> Jeff, if I remember correctly out of uh, character, that painting of John F. Eld was a piece of the beam, yeah? Yeah, Magnus has that. The smaller, yeah, the small little... It's a news photo of... Uh, Kennedy being like mobbed by a crowd and shaking the hand of of this uh, young man and his wife. Okay, so not not the artwork, the the newspaper. Or I, I yeah. guess I didn't realize it was newspaper. The little picture that Magnus has, and it's just filled with this like power, and it and it uh, it's like the greatest thing you've ever held. It's like okay. your clothes aren't cool enough. For to a hold half it. a second, I was worried. We didn't have it. <laughs> well, yeah, Magnus has it, but you don't think anybody actually knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no one like knows that Magnus character. has it. Oh, okay. But Magnus is definitely listening very closely to this conversation, despite okay. administering first aid at the same time. <laughs> this was a fun peel back the curtain moment. Let's get, let's get back <laughs> yeah. to it. Okay, so the door opens again, and several soldiers come in, and there's a... Uh, uh, a sort of black-haired Latina woman at the front, and she's got a huge gun in her hands, <laughs> just barely pointed down a little bit. Um, and the colonel puts out a hand, and they all stop. And she turns back to Magnus, and she says, Then you have it. You have it with you. Mm, yes. He's decided uh, to trust her. Okay, she snaps her fingers. Well, he checks. He double-checks. <laughs> she snaps her fingers and, and points back at the door, and all those people slowly back out, and then the door closes. And then she says, Very well, then. Make with it. I'd see it. All right, he, 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 pulls, it, he pulls it out of his pocket carefully and kind of holds it up for her to see, but doesn't hand it to her. He okay, feels a little it reluctant like, to let it out of his out of his hands. It is glowing this like bluish glow that that kind of fills the area. Huh. And uh and Orpa's eyes go wide. Hers like look like she's almost that look you you see when like a mother looks at her baby. Like it's just it's the greatest thing anyone could ever see. And Louie, you can't quite see it. You're sort of behind Magnus's shoulder. Yeah, from my perspective, everybody just got kind of quiet. And I don't know, maybe someone's watching TV. 
<laughs> Magnus kind of under his breath as he's looking at it goes, well, it wasn't doing that when I first got it. Hezekiah, you see this thing and mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's you have the feeling like when you first got your guns or mm-hmm. when your father came home from the war, uh, you're just like warm and happy and glad to be around it, whatever mm-hmm. it is. All right, well, that certainly is something. Okay, the colonel walks slowly forward with her hand out. Can you tell me the colonel's name again? Uh, You haven't heard it yet. Okay. I'm making sure I have my list of characters that we've met this time. (laughs) Yeah, she she reaches out her hand softly, uh, Magnus, and you feel the need to hand it to her. All right, yeah. He very carefully hands it to her. Okay, she holds it, and she just stares at it. And she says, you have no idea what this means to us. Care to enlighten us? I'll show you myself. And then uh, the door behind Louie slides open. Ah! Almost totally quietly. And something starts padding into the room. You hear, like, clickety-clack feet. Mm-hmm. Louie, you see a few lights down this corridor. Uh... Maybe an escape. Uh, I want to see what's coming through the corridor before I go balls deep into it. Okay. Yeah. You see, you don't see anything at eye level. You look down, and a Billy Bumbler just like runs Yay! over your feet into the room. Huh. And uh, and the the computer guy goes, "Oi, what are you doing here?" God damn it! And uh, the colonel gets down on her, or she squats again, and the Billy Bumbler. Gets up in her lap and, like, starts licking her face. Uh, Magnus, mm-hmm. this thing looks like a cross between a raccoon. It's sort of dog-like or a, or a pig, maybe an armadillo. It is very strange. Furry. Um, yeah, it's furry. What's the other animal it looks like? I, 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 raccoon dog was the one I always heard. Yeah, raccoon dog. But not quite a, like what we would think of as a raccoon or a dog. It's a little bit... It's definitely alien? Definitely. Okay. Uh, it's got a curly tail. Um, it... If you, I mean, just just Google Billy Bumbler. And you'll, yeah. you'll, okay. you'll get a good, yeah. Just the images. Okay. Try to avoid spoilers, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's licking the colonel's face, and she starts to giggle, and then it suddenly looks off back Aww. behind its right shoulder and hisses... Towards Louis. Mm. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> the door slides closed behind you, and uh, the creature's just hissing, and, and uh, uh, the colonel kind of rubs its back a little bit, tries to soothe it, and she uh, she is also looking at you with like kind of gritted teeth, fury. Aren't these things all dead? She sets it down, and it gets behind her, and. She walks in your direction. Hi. You're in charge here, right? She says, Aye, that I am. Colonel Merida. And what is your name? Uh, Louie. She says, well, Louie. <laughs> yeah, Louie. <laughs> I know what you are and I know what you work for. So let's dispense with the pretense. Show me your real face. You know what I work for? I work for uh, cake and my chair back at home, <laughs> uh, my refrigerator that I'm probably sure the uh, the man in black knocked over and like pissed on or something like that, or turn into some sort of elephant that shits bugs. Uh, <laughs> what else do I like to work for? Uh, there's a deli <laughs> down the street. Um, oh yeah, I, what do I work for? Getting the fuck out of Midworld. I hate that I'm here. Can I leave? Do you know how I can back to Earth? Louie, you feel something drop on your the toe of your shoe or boot, whatever you got on. <laughs> and you don't know what it is. Merida kind of starts to look down. And uh, McKee goes, oh, God. And you see it's a finger with a ring on it. And it's just sort of half sitting on, on the toe of your shoe. Brush it off, and I see, see, 
Walter, uh, I mean, the, <laughs> the man in black just likes to fuck with me, and I'm over it. <laughs> is a special project of the Trap Society and Colossus Media Group. Our theme song is Morgana Rides by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Send us an email at warforthetower at gmail.com. Stay weird, everybody. It's gonna be three, two, one, clap, and then, and quiet. then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh-huh. Like silent. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm gonna okay. do it backwards, but silent. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be kind of silent. That's all I needed to know. Okay. Get ready. Get set. Three, Oh, hey, guys, I wrote this thing, and it's totally bananas and strange, but uh, I think you'll like it. Here it is. Yes, finally, the show is mine. I've lured them away with coffee. Only I were awake enough to have something interesting to talk about. You can't ride in my little red wagon. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it sounded very musical. You can't ride in my little red wagon. <laughs> no, I have a few that I've said enough that like the people around me start to know what like start to know it as a thing, despite not knowing the source material. <laughs> oh man, I said it truly was a Shawshank Redemption the other day, and somebody was like, "Oh, I love that show," and I'm like, "I don't know what show you're talking about." <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just yawned and my back cracked. Ooh. I'm young. That's a good yawn. Holy moly. I'm a young cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've also been sleeping on a slightly deflated air mattress, so. Well, that probably doesn't help. <laughs> it's a bit like a waterbed at this point. Mm. No, I, I downloaded for another path. Um, I had the guy, uh, one of my guys go into a bodega, and I had Girl from Impanita playing over the loudspeaker. So I definitely downloaded a Muzak version of that and that got that plugged in. Um, it was very good. It was a bodega run by a tabaxi who had a cat, which is, I don't know. <laughs> it is one of my favorite fucking tropes. I, I can't really articulate why I think that is so very funny. Um, it really is. Well, because it makes you, it, it forces you to really look at the fact that in a world where there are like humanoid cats, mm-hmm. like where do just regular four-legged cats fit in in that world? Right. And also, let's be real here. If we could have like small pet versions of humans, we would look at monkeys. We have them domesticated wherever we can. Yeah. But I would not have a monkey in my house, personally. It depends on the monkey. I guess. Like, what if it's a good monkey? I mean, maybe. But yeah, like, what does the I monkey do like, in this free time? That's the real question. Can mm-hmm. I bring the monkey to work with me? I just I just have a lot of anxiety about leaving a monkey home alone. That's mm, fair. Bring I your monkey that. to work day. Yeah. Every day is bring your monkey to work day if you believe in yourself. <laughs> Every day is bring your monkey to work day. Cause like, sorry about that. I feel like it's bad no enough worries. just leaving like a cat or a dog at home, and they, you know, destroy everything you own. Right. Like, monkeys have little hands. Oh yeah. <laughs> so hey, are are y'all? Uh, you guys are my brother, my brother and me fans, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So face cat, right? Yeah. <laughs> Course. Don't like that. I don't like that. Look, I don't like face cat any better than a hand dog, but face cat's gonna get in a lot less trouble. <laughs> I mean, yes, you you have a fair point. You have a fair point. Now this was literally an hour of discussion on the way to Candle Nights. <laughs> <laughs> That's valid. Hey guys, sorry about that. I rolled my uh, I rolled my phone call into a pee break. Uh, fair enough. And uh, it took a long time because I'm old. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, um, oh yeah, I was going to make a goof, but it's not really 
funny. So I'll move on. <laughs> well, we were just talking about hand dog and face cat. So yes, yeah. I think I think you're in good company. I'm sorry, hand dog is just so cool. Like I know he'd be a nightmare. Oh, he would be a fucking hellion. What but they're not really about? smart, so maybe I could tape some mittens on his hands. <laughs> So you're going to torture Hand Dog. His Uh, life is already hell. He's Hand Dog. But he's a dog, right? So so they can take a little more torture than a human. Maybe. Depends on the dog. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Just basically, like, between cats and dogs, which do you think can can take more torture? (laughs) Because, like, I think that a dog can handle more, like, physical torture, but cats could stand up to, like, psychological torture. Cats yeah. manage to back Much out, longer. like while they are having it dished to them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, guys, our uh, our dear readers will uh, will probably find this amusing, but most everyone else will be horrified. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> oh, certainly. So let's move I'm on. I'm just glad no one is home to be hearing just my side of this conversation. Oh, same. <laughs> <laughs> My wife was listening to me on a stream the other night, and that was an adventure for her. (laughs) Yeah, I just have a very old cat looking at me, but should be all right. Nice. I promise I'm not going to torture you, Zen. Shauna and Talent. No, wrong show. Shauna. (laughs) (laughs) Special thanks to Kevin Cole the maker of Space Kings, for letting us use the Space Kings system to to make this show. It's pretty cool. Space Kings.